Thank you, honey, for praying for us, for covering us. We need that covering, that spiritual covering of um, pastors and husbands and fathers. We need that as um, women in our life. Um, I'm not sure your children would agree that I'm the best mom. I'm just kidding. You know, <laughs> kids always have a different opinion, you know, about you being their mother. Where is my son? I know he's here. Do you agree that I'm the best mother in the world? Oh, see, did you hear it? It's debatable. <laughs> That's the, way, the life of a mother. Okay, right? I don't know why I'm putting on my glasses yet because I don't need to read yet. But happy Mother's Day. You know, I'm so excited because today, today's going to be a fun day. I'm just happy today. Are you happy? I'm just like really happy today. I'm really happy because I knew I was going to be speaking today, but I'm, I'm actually going to be telling you a story. Do you like stories? Okay, so you have to get really excited because I'm going to tell you a story. Because, you know, I love to tell my grandkids stories. And when I say, oh, Grandma's going to tell you a story, they get so excited. They, like, jump on my, you know, jump around my chair, and, and they're just like this. They're ready for the story. And we're in the middle of a story right now. They're a little upset with me because I cut the story off. You know, I make them wait for the next part, you know. We can't tell the rest of the story until you come spend the night again. And they're like, but, Grandma, we, you can, you, we can tell stories during the day. I'm like, oh, not us. We tell them at night, at bedtime, and that's it. You're just going to have to wait. So the next morning they got up. They're like, but, Grandma, you, can you please tell us the end of the story? And I'm just like, no, we got to wait. Um, one of our stories that is so funny, this one cracks me up. You know, I don't know about you, but I could sort of make up the stories as I go along. You never really know what the story is going to, you know, how it's going to go, you know. Sometimes they add to it and you take it. And you're like, yeah, what else is going to happen? You're trying to get ideas from them. But one story, I called them. I gave them all names. And, um, it's Patsy, Petsy, Pitsy, Pootsy, and Putsy. And um, Alina's Patsy, and I told her she was the mean one in the story. She's like the drill sergeant. They're all going on a camping trip up to the mountains. And Alina was very upset. Grandma, I don't want to be the mean one. I'm like, too bad. You're the mean one. You're going to be mean to everybody. And <laughs> so the whole story, she's like, oh. I would make her like go and tell everybody what to do. And you pitch your tent and you do this. And she's telling everybody. She says, Grandma, I, I don't want to yell at them. Too bad. You're going to be mean in this story. Just, just get straight. You're going to be the mean one. <laughs> and so, and Morgan was pootsie. She was having a little trouble that day with her tummy. And so she kept having a little. <laughs> so I'm like, and Morgan's going to be pootsie because that's what she's been doing all day. And she's, and she, Morgan's like, and I said it. And Morgan, you can't talk. You talk like this. Poo, 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 poo. <laughs> and she's like, grandma. I'm like, sorry. But then she caught on it. She was so funny. So during the story, she would say, okay, I have something to say. And she'd go, poo, 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 poo. And then she would have to interpret to us what she was saying. It was just so funny. Of course, uh, um, Katie was petsy. Katie loves, you know, dogs and pets. But she's terrified of bugs, right? She can't, you know, ants and flies, bees. So I made her, you know, she was going out in the... Um, in the woods to get pets, but she was collecting bugs and smashing them and bringing them back for everybody else to eat, right? And so, and of course, Jude's putsy because he's always like the one the tail end, you know, dragging along, you know, come on, Patsy, you know, get up here. And um, Claire is potsy because, you know, she likes to eat. And so we're like, she's eating more bugs than anybody else. And so, but anyway, so they all have their little character in the story. And it's just really fun. And so we pick up on that still, you know, throughout the day, we'll, you know, I'll be to say to Lena Patsy, go tell everybody what to do, you know, get everybody in here, or, you know, um, Morgan Pootsie, you know, Pootsie's here again today, but, so, we just love to tell stories, but I'll just tell you, Morgan was a little mortified that she had to be Pootsie, so she asked me, Grandma, next story, can I be the most beautiful mermaid? 
I said, yes, Morgan, I will give you that. Next story, you can be the most beautiful mermaid. So we're in the middle of a story right now, and her name is Clarice, the most beautiful mermaid. That's her. Uh, Katie is Catherine the, um, she's Catherine the Great, a mermaid, and they all have little, like, magics, powers, whatever. And Alina is, after her grandmother, Angelina the Magnificent. And they're all these wonderful mermaids fighting, fighting the villain, which lives up in the sky, which is a giant slug, and it's Auntie Jill. Auntie Jill is the villain in this story. <laughs> and we're going to, we have this cave underneath the ocean, and it has, like, salt caves, and we get salt rocks. And we make cookies, and we're, we're finding the slug trail in the stars in the sky to find the, the uh, villain, Auntie Jill, so we can give, make, give her cookies and destroy her because she's trying to destroy our kingdom under the water. Anyway, so we make up all these stories. <laughs> Don't you want to come to my house and me tell you stories? <laughs> right? Right? So, <laughs> so they're all ready to find out how the story is going to end. And I really I don't know how it's going to end, actually. So um, I take a break when I'm done. I'm like, I don't know the rest of the story. We're going to take a break. We'll like, catch up next time. And, um, but today I'm going to tell you a story. And this story is um, right along with our theme from the women of this year, Strength to Strength, which comes from our scripture. We will go from strength to strength until we see him face to face. And that's what I want to do to ladies, uh, to, with the ladies today, is just to strengthen you, to encourage you, to give you a sense of the Lord in your life in a fresh way today, you know, just a, a newness. The Lord is always with us. He's always, you know, um, um, goes before us, behind us, takes care of us, talks with us. But there are days where we just get that fresh little, you know, B12 shot, you know, where we're like, yes, Lord, you love me. I know it. I feel it. I sense it. And that's what I, I really want to do to you is all the women just get that sense of Jesus, the lover of your soul, the shepherd of your heart, that he is um, for you and with you. And this story actually is um, from the Song of Solomon. And it is about the Shulamite girl. Anybody ever heard of the Shulamite girl? Yeah, she's the girl in Song of Solomon. Um, it's really a love story of faithfulness. Um, did you see me just poke myself in the eye there? I'm like... <laughs> Jesus told stories. Jesus told parables so that people could understand the word of God and the principles of the kingdom. And so this story today, it's a story of, it's a love story of faithfulness, but it's, you're going to find out in the end, it's actually all of our love story. It's a love story of Jesus' um, love toward us. And it's, again, going to be our love story. It's from the book of Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon in the Hebrew means shir hashirim. Hash yeah. And it, it literally means a song of songs or the most excellent of songs. Literally, the Song of Solomon, is a, it's literally a play. It's, it's a story, but there's all these characters that are in the story. Now, a lot of people um, interpret the book of Solomon Solomon in many different ways. Now, the book of Sol Song of Solomon is read annually every year at the Passover. I'm sorry, um, yes, at the Passover. Ruth, the book of Ruth is read at Pentecost. Lamentations is read at the 9th of uh, Ab, or August. Ecclesiastes is read at the Feast of the Tabernacles. And um, Esther is read at the Feast of Purim. Um, but again, this is a, a play, a poem, and it's really read because it's a story of love. And it's about a young girl, the Shulamite girl, who Solomon wants to make his queen of queens, um, but she's already been pledged to a shepherd. 
in the, um, from her hometown of Shunem. And she's been already betrothed, pledged to a shepherd, given her heart, and Solomon, you know, uh, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. So there's been many interpretations of the book, many that have been given um, that the story refers to um, all these different types. There's the literal type of Song of Solomon, which, which I'm going to do today. I'm going to give you the literal story in the Song of Solomon about these characters in the Bible. So you're going to get a Bible study, but it's going to be very paraphrased, um, um, Terry version. And then you're going to get, um, then there's also a, a type where it's allegorical or spiritual, where they say Song of Solomon is like Jehovah and Israel. That's kind of the Jewish view. Or, you know, the Catholic view is the Shulamite is like the Virgin Mary. Um, but this, and again, the, the Protestant or uh, Christian view is like, you know, the Song of Solomon is about Christ and the church and how much Christ loves the church. Um, but if you really look, if you read through Song of Solomon, if you don't have a really good version that tells you who's actually speaking in the scriptures, you're, it's very confusing because the story starts off where she's in the tent, but the, where, when she got into the tent, it happens like in the third chapter. So it's kind of mixed up. It's kind of like flashback kind of stuff. And there's different people speaking. So unless you have a really good um, Bible that tells you who's doing the speaking, you don't know. Um, it, it can be very confusing. So people kind of just sum it up a little bit um, and get the gist of Song of Solomon, which is about Solomon declaring his love for the Shulamite girl and um, how he's trying to su really seduce her and woo her. And um, she resists him. But all these types, again, bring Jehovah and Christ down to a level of a seducer. And that is not God. He's not like that. And so that's why I'm going to do the literal story. Because um, in, the, in the story, there is the shepherd who loves her, who the way he talks to her is very different than the way Solomon talks to her. And so it's, it's very, um, so, so you can't just say it's about Jehovah and, you know, Israel or Jesus in the church, you can draw different things and, and say that, but the whole story itself from chapter one to chapter eight is literally um, different characters and a literal story of, of something that happened in Solomon's life, and he wrote it down. And so, the, um, so I feel like the literal interpretation is definitely the best interpretation because there are several speakers in here. There are seven speakers in all in this story. The first one is, the, of course, the Shulamite. When you see in chapter one, it starts off, she's in his tent, and she is soliloquizing. She's thinking out loud or talking out loud to herself because she's been brought into Solomon's tent, and she's all she can think about is her shepherd love. And so then there's the daughters of Jerusalem, which are the court ladies, which are the ladies that are helping her um, get, you know, quote, dressed or, you know, ready for Solomon, which could be Solomon's harem, you know, back, he, you know, no, Solomon had a thousand women in his life, right? 700 wives and 300 concubines. It's like, anyway, um, he had a lot of women, but we're going to find out. This one girl, he sees her out in the field. We're, we're in chapter three, it talks about his procession that's coming down through Shunem on his way to the, the royal city. And it talks about all of his splendor and glory. And while he's out there, he sees this girl out in the field. And he, he is just smitten with her immediately. And he, gets, he, he has them take her into his royal tents. They stop there in Shunem. He has her brought into the tents. And so that's where chapter 1 starts off. She's in this tent thinking about 
her shepherd love, and she doesn't want to be in the king's tent. You know, she doesn't want to um, be Sol- one, another one of Solomon's wives uh, or concubines or whatever. You know, she is in love and betrothed to her shepherd. So those are the daughters of Jerusalem or the court ladies that are in the story. And they are constantly, you know, asking her questions and saying things to her like, oh, Solomon's this and he's this. You're the most beautiful. You know, you're going to be the most blessed. And she's always telling ladies, don't stir up something that's not there. I'm telling you, there's nothing there for the king. Don't try to stir anything up. And so there's this conversation between the court ladies that she has. Then there's her brothers, the brothers of the Shulamite that still live in Shunem. Because we find out through the story, she actually used to work in the vineyards of the home. But as she grew up and grew older, they let her go out into the fields and become a shepherd, shepherdess like they are. And it was that when she was out in the fields that she met her shepherd love. And they met under an apple tree. I, do you remember that old song? Don't sit under the apple tree with anyone else but me. I, I keep singing that song. I've been singing it all morning. Anyone else but me? Anyone else but Actually, it's from a wartime because it says, don't sit under the apple tree with anyone else but me till I come marching home. So anyway, they met under an apple tree because there's several verses that talk about how they're, under, they're on their bed of grass and they're um, you know, and under this apple tree. So obviously, some, they were taking a rest. They met, and she met him there, and they fell in love, and she loves her shepherd. And no matter what Solomon tries to do, he cannot take that from her or change her. So there are the brothers, though, that have sent her now into the field. They now know she's in the tent, and... Um, You know, there's a part of the story where she ends up coming home, and they're very concerned about her virtue, and so there's some things that happen there, too. So the brothers are part of the story. There's also the companions of the shepherd, his friends that um, that he has in the field. And, of course, there's Solomon, and there's the shepherd love of the Shulamite himself um, that she's betrothed to. And then there's the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Those are like the people that are accompanying Solomon as he's, you know, as his procession is going through the uh, roads of, you know, the country as he's going to his royal city. So in chapter 1, it starts off, again, you got to remember, Solomon already has his thousand women, and he sees this woman, young girl, pardon me, um, and of course he brings her to a tent, and so she's in this um, tent, and it's in, in verse 4, she's sitting there, and she's talking to herself, and she just says, draw me, and I will run after you. She's talking, she's actually talking out loud to her shepherd, come find me, come rescue me, I'm stuck in this tent, I don't want to appear, draw, draw me near to you so that I can run to you, come again, rescue me and find me. So she's sitting here talking, and in chapter 1, we find this is where she first, you know, meets the court ladies, and they're you know, telling her how beautiful and how blessed she is to be able to come into the tent of the king and all this stuff. And then Solomon shows up and he starts with all of his admiration, which is really flattery um, that he gives her. And so she is separated from her love by Solomon and it's taken to his tents. And she's saying, um, again, I will remember your upright love my love. And that's what she tells him. I will remember. I won't forget. Even though I'm here and I'm stuck in this place, I'm not going to forget the love of my shepherd. And that is righteous, that is good. And so, which is, again, going to be very different. I'm actually not going to get into how Solomon talks today because it's very, um, very, very sensual. And I know you've, some of you have already heard, you know, uh, read some of those. Have you ever read the Bible? You're reading parts and you're kind of like going, Is this really in the Bible? You know, you're like, you're, is anybody watching? Does anybody know what I'm reading? It's, it's, you know, a little, you know, racy here. 
So Solomon is like that in this story. And so, um, again, the court ladies are telling her, you know, um, she's talking about her love. She's talking out loud. And she's saying, where are you? Where are you? And the court leader's like, well, if you don't know where he's at, he's probably out there with his sheep. Go after the flocks. That's probably where he's at. And she's like, oh, you know, please come rescue me. And, of course, that's when Solomon comes in. And he starts... um, Uh, talking about her beauty and all that. But at the end of the chapter, you find that the shepherd, he actually finds her in the tent. They have a little place where he meets her. And he doesn't talk to her about her beauty. He reminds her of where they met. See, I'm going to cry. I love these stories. So he's like, I remember, I remember where we first met. Remember we were on the, where we met on the grass under the apple tree. And he reminds her of when they first met, when they first fell in love, and he's still, his heart is so strong for her, and he's going to do everything he can to rescue her. Um, he, and so, anyway, so she keeps her heart and her thoughts on her shepherd love the whole time she's stuck in the king's tent. And so um, Solon's motives are for himself. They're very sensual, of course. It's all about um, what he can get from this young girl. But the shepherd's motives are for her. They're for her life. Um, And the Shulamite is constantly reminding herself and talking to herself about how the shepherd loves her. And so she tells, again, the daughters of Jerusalem, do not try to stir up this love, you know, that you're trying to get me to fall in love with the king because it's not going to happen. And so... I want to go back to the procession, which is in chapter 3 of Solomon. And I want to read this to you because this talks about Solomon and all of his glory and splendor. And it starts in um, actually verse 6. It says, Who is this that's coming out of the wilderness with pillars of smoke and perfume and frankincense and myrrh? And um, again, with all this merchandise, behold, it is Solomon and his bed, which is one of those old like leader, those long beds, you know, with they carried with the poles and had the big drapes and all that. Um, and it says... He is, um, it is Solomon, and he has 60 valiant men. They all hold swords, being expert in war, and every man has his sword on his thigh because of, you know, of any attacks. And King Solomon made himself a chariot of wood of Lebanon, and and he made the pillars of silver, the bottom of his, um, of his litter, litter is made of gold, and the coverings of it are purple, and the midst of it, um, the, the, the cloth and the, the purple gold cloth is waving in the wind. And uh, again, um, it goes on to say, Go forth, daughters of Zion, and behold the king of Solomon with the crown where his mother crowned him in the day of his, of his espousals and in the day of the gladness of his heart. So it's talking about how Solomon in all of his glory, I mean, he's got 60 valuable men with all these swords, all these warriors. He is, he's, everything is in gold. Everything is, he's got people that go out before him and behind them. They're all in their robes. From a distance, it looks like there's like smoke billowing because of the, the, what they're wearing and how it waves. And so he's coming with all of his splendor and all of his glory, all of his wealth, all of his position and who he is. We know Solomon has all this. And he comes in and he's, again, he sees this girl and she brings her, they stop, take a rest, they pitch a tent, and he brings her into the tent. And so he's trying to woo her. He's trying to seduce her. He's trying to buy her. He's trying to do everything he can, you know, with, hey, you know, as a matter of fact, it's in chapter, um, I think it's in chapter four. Um, um, uh, well, before I get to that, from here, he's going to take her to the city and um, try it again to even in there, in his kingdom and in his palace, show her even more gold. But there's a, in the chapter, um, uh, chapter four, I believe, or at six. But anyway, he talks about how he wants to make her his queen of queens. 
See, Solomon had all these women, but he never had one woman that ruled his heart. He never had one woman that had enough integrity and enough character in her life that he could trust, you know, that wasn't going to use him. And he was used to using all of his money, his wealth, his position and power to gain. That's what he married. He married a lot of princesses so he could have peace in the, you know, surrounding countries. So he would marry the daughters so that there would be a peaceful because he was a king of peace. Solomon means peaceful. And so here he is trying to use the same, you know, um, um, you know, traps, you know, for this young girl that he sees, because it usually works, but it's not working on her. She does not care. She doesn't, she's not impressed with all of his splendor, his glory, and all of his money, and all of his power and position, and he tries to tell you, no, I'll make you the highest ranking queen. That's what I will give you if you will just abide by my wishes and come and be my wife, and she refuses, and so Solomon, after their in the field, he's still with all of his, you know, again, seducing, and he comes in and he tries to, you know, he says some slick things, you know, really slick things, and um, she, she just says, don't try to stir anything up, it's not there. Actually, in chapter eight, she starts off, you know what, the only thing that I feel for you is like a brother, that is it. Don't try to stir up, you're, you're just a brother to me, that's it, and so then Solomon, after he takes her to the city with all of his pomp and circumstance and hoping to impress her with his dazzling glory and splendor, he fails there as well. And then the shepherd, though, follows her to the city and secretly sees her to tell her again of his love. And I love in, in chapter 4 because um, when the shepherd talks about her because the whole time he talks about her beauty too, but it's always about who she is. I love it because he actually compares her to like a garden. He said she is like a garden, and her life is a wellspring of life. And she gives life to everything, wherever she goes, whatever she does, whoever she meets. She is a fountain of life to those around her. And that's how the shepherd talks about her. He loves her, but he, he sees who she is. Not what she can be for him, but who she is, period, who God has made her and her life and how she gives and what she does for those around her. Sounds like a mother, right? <laughs> Sounds like a mom who gives a fountain of life from her. And so that's how the shepherd sees her, and that's how he talks about her. And she is so moved because she knows she's so loved. She's truly loved by the shepherd that she... Solomon is nothing he can do can compare to what the shepherd gives her and how he loves her. And she's so anxious to leave that palace and all of that gold and all that money and all that position. And she wants to go back to her humble beginnings in Shunem in the field and be there with her shepherd. That's how much she loves. I know most of you are thinking, yeah, that's how it is when you're first loved. Later on, she would have taken the money. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, when you're beginning, you, you don't mind living in a hovel. Later on, you're like, what? What do you mean we're in a hovel? We're still in a hovel? Get, let's get out of here. So, <laughs> but that's not what happens. Um, so she's anxious to leave all the splendor and go to her humble home with her shepherd. And you know what? I love this part because the shepherd praises her for her faithfulness. He's like, he loves her, but he actually honors her and praises her because she has integrity and she has faithfulness and she's not going to turn. She, can't, she cannot be bought or sold. 
Her soul cannot be given away. She knows who she is, and she knows um, who loves her. And so isn't that beautiful? So again, the Shulamite is still always talking about her shepherd love and how wonderful he is. And the court leaders are like, really? Well, we want to see this dude. I, I, who's, they don't even know anybody like that. <laughs> They're like, this shepherd love is faithful, and he talks to you like, like he really loves you. We want to see this. Where is he? So we can see him. We want to find out if there's really some guy who, who's like that. So um, anyway, they do they meet him, and they're completely... Oh, yeah. They have such admiration for their love, their mutual love. And they see that there is, a, again, a truth. And they, they do stop trying to um, um, stir up love in her heart for Solomon. But Solomon, still determined to win her over, again, goes over and above and says, Hey, I'm going to give you, you know, you'll be the highest ranking queen, all this. Um, but... Solomon still fails in that. She doesn't comply. She refuses. And finally, in the end, he lets her go. He lets her go back to, from the palace, he lets her go back to Shunem, to her shepherd love. And I think that's really interesting because Solomon, in all of his life, he never did have that, that one woman, that one wife that was queen of his heart. And so, um, honey, I hope I'm the queen of your heart. Say yes, please, right now. <laughs> Because, yes, you are, the, you know, the love of my heart. And so <laughs> you're smiling at me like I don't, I don't even want to know what he's thinking. You know, you can tell your husband they have that look. You're like, I'm just not going to look at you right now because <laughs> you're going to have a smart remark. I just know it. So in the end, um, she returns home. And on the way, I love this part because even on the way home after she's been released, you know where they stop? They, they stop under the apple tree. I'm like, oh my gosh, don't sit under the apple tree with anyone else but me. So they stop under the apple tree and they renew their vows. They renew their love and they go back to her home where the brothers are waiting, right? It's so funny because if you really look at the last um, um, uh, chapter in Solomon, you know, she gets back and they're like, well, we had a little sister. And literally, the Bible says this. I know we shouldn't say words like this in, in church, but it says, we have a little sister and she has no breasts. <laughs> in other words, she's flat, poor girl. But anyway, <laughs> what shall we do for our sister in the day when she'll be spoken of? There's, if she's a wall, we will build her a palace of silver. But if, and if she be a door, we will, we will enclose her with boards of cedar. So what, basically what they're saying is, what has happened to our little sister? She used to be little, now she's grown, but she's now, they're concerned about her virtue. They're like, if she comes home, if she's a wall, in other words, if she's, um, if basically if she's a door, if she's been opened, you know, you know we're going to kill her. They're going to kill her. And so we'll put her in a coffin. We're going to put her in boards. She's not going to, you know, she's not going to um, uh, shame our family. So, but I love this. She comes back and she says, I'm a wall boys. <laughs> and my breasts are towers. <laughs> She's grown up. She's become a woman and she lets them know that she has kept her virtue. She has not fallen to the temptations of Solomon and all of his stuff that she is. And you know what? And she actually tells them, you know what? Solomon has his vineyards and he requires a thousand, you know, um, he requires all this money for people to keep his vineyards. She says, I have my own vineyard and you now must pay because you promised. And so they reward her for her conduct and behavior, for her integrity while she was at the palace as their sister. And so, 
This is a young girl that just has such character and strength, but it comes from her shepherd love. She, you know, she didn't fall to all the, you know, again, the winds that were around her. And so, again, she um, tells them that she has returned her virtue and that they um, must reward her, and they do. And in the, end, in, in the end, in chapter 8, of course, it starts off in the beginning of chapter 8 where she says, you know, Solomon, he's just like a brother. I have no, no feeling for him other than just brotherly love. But at the end of the chapter, we find this verse. And it's, it's really a verse where she comes back, they've honored her, they've rewarded her, and she's sitting there, and they're in that garden. And the Bible says that all the companions, all their friends are sitting around, and this is what's happening. They want her to tell the story. They want her to tell the story over and over again. Tell us the story again about the shepherd love, your shepherd love, and how you were taken away to the palace, and what happened, and all these things. Now, I didn't give you all the details of what happened in the palace, because there's a lot of... There was a lot of things that happened. There was one night she was having a bad dream and she woke up and she was so upset. She ran into the streets looking for her shepherd love in the palace and she ends up finding him, you know, because he was still there. He had come to the, you know, the um, city to stay with her and be with her so they could, and whenever he could, he could find her and he could renew um, his love for her and remind her so that she wouldn't um, feel alone or be, you know, by herself. So there's things that happen throughout Song of Solomon, you know, that I, I really haven't gone through because the gist of the story is it's all about her character. It's all about who she is and about the strength that she draws from from her shepherd. So that's what I mean by in the end, where's that scripture? Can you put the scripture up in um, it's Psalm, uh, Song of Solomon 813? You that dwell in the gardens, your companions listen to your voice, cause me to hear it. And so this verse, oh my goodness, I just, oh my goodness, this verse it made me, again, realize that I'm, I'm the Shulamite girl. Jesus is my shepherd love. And this is not just a story about, you know, a, a story that happened in Solomon's life. It's not just, a, you know, a, a, a fiction story a, or a figurative story. We can actually learn principles from this Shulamite girl. Just keep that up there for a minute because I want to share some of the things that we are, these are the practical things we can learn from the Shulamite. First of all, at us women... Um, and this is what I'm talking about today because it applies to men too because the, you have a relationship with the Lord. But this, this um, is to encourage and strengthen women. Um, keep your heart on your shepherd love. Speak to yourself constantly to him and of him. Meet with him consistently to strengthen your bond. Because that's what she did the whole time. She was in and taken away from him. And she was in a place she didn't want to be. And she was surrounded by all these temptations. She kept telling herself and talking to herself about her shepherd love. Number two, not all women can be won, bought or sold with flattery, glory, or splendor, or the opportunity to obtain riches or glory. There's some women who do, but not all women are like that. Three, some women love truly from their hearts, and they consecrate their lives, dedicate themselves to their husbands and their children to make them a happy and contented life. I love that. Some women maintain a natural and unspoiled disposition, regardless of their station in life, regardless of their beauty or charm. They keep their, dis their disposition natural and untainted because of their love with the shepherd. And some women live pure and upright lives in the face of all sweeping temptations and severe trials. Those are the lessons we learn from the Shulamite, that her character 
a character, and she was a young girl, and she still had this character. Obviously, she got it from not only her family um, being raised, but when she consecrated her love to the shepherd and gave her whole heart, it was a done deal, and she, didn't never, she never wavered from it. And in the end of the story, of course, they make haste, they go off, and they are never separated again, um, the, she- the Shulamite and her shepherd love. So um, this right here, um, we are to draw close to him, just like she called out in the beginning, draw me, Lord, draw me to you so that I will run to you, so that I can be with you and not forget the words that you speak to me. Cause me to hear what you have to say to me, Lord, so that I can be consistent and with the calling, with the fountain of life that you've given me, wherever I go, whoever I'm speaking to, that can flow from my life in a way that is strong, it's courageous, and it has integrity, and I'm really being a blessing to those that God has given me. And again, she wants to hear the love and affirmation from her shepherd because he is the, again, lover of her soul and her security. So um, I'm going to have the ladies come forward right now. This scripture right here, um, you can just put it back up. When I read this, I wrote some words out. This, And I wrote these words out like 20-something years ago. But... Um, It was actually Ryan, my son, who reminded me of this um, song a few weeks ago. He's like, Mom, you need to get that song back out because we want to today. We have a gift for you, ladies. We're going to give you a CD. And it says strength to strength on it. And there are songs on here. You are to take this with you to help you in your worship time. When you're with the Lord and you're reading or you just put this on and you're hearing these songs of love, You're hearing songs of strength. You're hearing songs of relationship between you and your shepherd. This is a personal worship CD to help you. You know, um, this is not a worship song that they're going to sing. This is actually a love song. It's a love song from the heart of um, our heart to the Lord and how we want to draw near to him and hear him so that we can stay strong in who we are and who he's called us to be. And that's what I just want to encourage moms today. Your gifting, your anointing, your life is a beautiful gift from heaven to people around you. Use it in a way that honors the Lord. Use it in a way that honors your family. Use it in a way that is a blessing so that you don't regret. Now I know there's situations in life, we all have them where there's been, you know, There's been breaks in family. There's been heartache. There's been um, relationships that have been broken. And maybe you don't even have, um, you don't even speak to each other. Don't give up hope. Pray. Don't give up hope. Stay close to the shepherd. And let the shepherd use you and your life to restore. Because that's who he is in our lives. He brings restoration and healing through us into families. It's that we have a soft heart and that we stay close to the shepherd, our shepherd love, and we sit under the apple tree with him. We listen to him so that he gives us the strength to do the things that he's called us to. Amen? So listen to this song and just see it as a love song.
that you are the strength of our lives. We thank you, Lord, that you have called us to be mothers in the faith, women who are a wellspring of life to those around us. And we give you, the shepherd of our hearts, the glory, the honor. Lord, thank you for allowing us to be part of your kingdom, part of your, your creation and joy the joy, Lord, of building families. We thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank Melissa for helping do that arrangement. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? I want to thank the ladies here who all came and did uh, all the harmony parts and stuff. I want to thank Ryan, my son, who spent, I don't know, days um, doing the mixing on this CD because this song is on the CD as well as several other songs to encourage you because ladies the strength of our lives does not come from our husbands does not come from our children it comes from Jesus Christ he is the strength of our life so this is to strengthen you to encourage you to give you that again that B12 because you are a mother whether you're a biological or a physical you know mother you're a spiritual mother Okay, you have been given an anointing to be a wellspring of life and to bless those around you and to build the family of God. He gives us our own families, but you're part of a bigger family. And I would like my husband, I would like Gary for you to come. And I just love the covering of spiritual fathers, of husbands, of brothers, you know, I love that. It's, it's of God, it's our, it's our covering, it's a protection of spiritual things. And I'd like to call the, all the women forward and you to pray for us, pray over us. So ladies, would you all just come down? Would you just get up and come forward? Praise the Lord. The character of a woman Come on down, ladies. Just If y'all can come on down to the front all the way up here. We're not going to ask you for another offering. <laughs> How beautiful you are. And I want you to recognize the content of what Terry taught. She needs about three weeks to go through the whole story. <laughs> But what we have is the story of a beautiful young lady like yourself, beautiful lady like yourself, who had to make a decision. The decision she made was to allow the character and the covering of her shepherd, her first love, which we see today is Jesus Christ, to fully keep her at a place where every decision, everything that she does, she does with the understanding that she is covered, she is loved, she's not alone. 
There's never too much. He'll never give a, her too much to handle. Sometimes when the kids are ill and you're trying to get some ready for school and you're doing all the different things, the grandkids come over and you, you're tired and, and all the different things that you face, the character of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is exactly what you draw from. What a beautiful story. Thank you, honey, for just picturing that with us. I think, ladies, that you can carry that the rest of your life, can't you? And there is scripture that talks about that David was the apple of God's eye. And I, I thought of that right away when she said that they met and fell in love underneath the apple tree. And uh, that doesn't tell us that what Eve ate was an apple. So anyway, that's another story. But you have to recognize and picture that, how special you are to your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And when us men, sons, daughters, grandsons, granddaughters, brothers, recognize how amazing you are because God made you that way, not because of what you accomplished or what you have. See, that picture is there. God wants to bless you and prosper you. And we need to walk in that revelation that you are special. And so what I'm going to do is, men, if you can go ahead and stand with me and you can put your hands out towards these ladies. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, honey, for writing that song, that poem. In Jesus' name, I make a proclamation over our ladies, our moms, our spiritual moms. In Jesus' name, may the picture of God's love overwhelm them today. Let the anointing of the Holy Spirit absolutely overwhelm each individual woman here today, touching them with the picture and the heart of God towards them. So many times we, we have in our lives, Father, this mentality of works, this mentality of what we've done and what we haven't done. Because in our soul, the enemy is speaking to us and wanting to proclaim doubt and defeat. And I come against that accusation in Jesus' name. I come against the accusation that the enemy brings about our past when we didn't make the right decisions based upon the love of Jesus Christ, our God and Lord. And in Jesus' name, forgiveness and release of all of our past is a done deal right now. Is a done deal right now. Ladies, let it go. Release it now in Jesus' name. 
Release it now in Jesus' name. I come against the accusation that the enemy is saying even right now, look out at your children. You think this stuff is real? What Terry is, it has taught, this is not real. Look what you haven't done. Look at the results. And I proclaim in Jesus' name again, the word of the Lord that says that Jesus Christ has overcome the world. So walk into the power and the anointing of those children's stories are not over yet. Those husband's stories are not over yet. Because God has painted a plan for each individual and because of the love of a mother. <coughs> because of the love of a mother. A love of a spiritual mother can break down, that anointing can break down every yoke that has held your children back, that has held your grandchildren back, that has brought things in your family, curses that have manifested. In Jesus' name, you have been delivered from the curse. Father, I thank you now. It is a done deal. The victory has been won. Let them rest under the truth of the story under that apple tree that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ says it is finished. The story has been written. And Father, I thank you for the anointing of these women that will break down every wall so that those stories will, be, will come true in their children's lives, in their family's life. And I thank you, Lord, for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me just go, go ahead, go ahead.